Well, hey, everybody, and uh, happy Palm Sunday. I, I hope you like the, uh, the palms I got. I, um, I didn't get them from Ikea this year. Uh, I don't know why it took me so long to figure out why I should be buying palm, why I shouldn't be buying palms from like a, uh, a discount furniture store. So I decided to get an upgrade, and I got it from the grocery store instead. So here we are, uh, Palm Sunday, celebrating. Uh, and um, we will celebrate Palm Sunday every year. Uh, as we had worshipped and we had, we had uh, been talked, Ben had mentioned in, his, uh, in the worship time, as we celebrate Jesus triumphantly coming into Jerusalem as the king. And uh, so we're in a sermon series called The Mystique of Holy Week, as we begin Holy Week this week. And um, during Holy Week, what we're doing is we're exploring some of the mystery that's enshrouded in this really special time. I mean, there's a lot of things that happened, compressed. A lot of the prophecies about Jesus happened in this very short uh, period of time. And while he was doing that, uh, Jesus stirred up a lot of controversy, a lot of controversy. He said some things that got some people angry. He said some things that were really confusing. So what we've been doing as we get march towards uh, the Resurrection Day uh, is we've been kind of unpacking a little bit about that and seeing how all those uh, things come together uh, and apply to our, our lives as we look at the, re- re- uh, the, re- uh, the re- relevance of the resurrection next week. <laughs> Lots of R words in a row are there. But. Let's, um, let's take a moment to pray before we begin. And I thought it would be good to remember um, the folks, you know, what had happened in Nashville there too, because I know that's a lot. If you're not familiar, there's a, there's a shoot, a mass shooting there. Six people had died. Uh, I know it's, uh, I mean, devastating for those families. So let's take a moment just to pray, humble ourselves before God um, as we pray. Oh, Lord, have mercy. God, have mercy. Have mercy on us. Jesus, we ask that you would, you would bring your, your, your kingdom, your, like we sang today, your, your rule and your reign would come to that school and that community, that little church, that Presbyterian church in Nashville, that, that school there, Covenant Church, that, that you would, you would uh, fill the hearts of those who are, who are mourning with your presence and your comfort. I pray, God, that you would meet each of those, particularly the families who have lost loved ones, uh, right where they are. I pray you give themselves a revelation of your love and your goodness and it is, we don't understand, God, why these things happen. We don't understand uh, this situation, really, but we grieve and we mourn. And, and we, we pray that there would be restoration in life to come out of this, this time of death. God, we pray for protection over the rest of those families and even the schools across our country or the schools that are represented here. We pray for your mercy, your grace, and that your light, somehow in this darkness, God, that your light, your light would shine. So strengthen your people there. God, and strengthen us. Help us to, uh, even in the midst of all this turmoil, everything that's going on in the world, I pray that you would give us a, a spirit of gratitude and celebration and joy in the midst, that we would be able to simultaneously acknowledge the brokenness, but also acknowledge the goodness of God. So we do. We come into your presence and we acknowledge how good you are despite the brokenness that we see all around us. And today, if anyone is feeling and experiencing that, some pain or uh, in themselves. I pray that just being in your presence would, would be uh, restorative, that people would come, truly today, come as they are and be restored. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right. 
So we're going to look at a couple scriptures. I'm going to read the um, Palm Sunday narrative just to give us some context. So it's not the main. We're going to actually be in the next chapter, Matthew 22, if you want to follow along. But it gives us a good context for what's happening as Jesus tells these parables that, that are happening. Okay, so Matthew 21, as they approach Jerusalem. Let's, let's take a look. So as they approach Jerusalem and came as Jesus and his disciples, his whole entourage there, <coughs> they came to Bethphage on the Mount of Olives. Jesus sent two disciples saying to them, go to the village ahead of you, and once you'll find a donkey tied there with a colt by her. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, say that the Lord needs them, and he will, be sent, uh, and he will send them right away. This took place to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet. Say to daughter Zion, see your, your king comes to you gentle and riding on a donkey and on a colt, the fowl of a donkey. And what Matthew is intentionally showing how Jesus is the fulfillment of this Old Testament prophecy. Many of them uh, that, that spoke about Jesus, particularly again, like I said, during this one week of his life. Verse 6, the disciples went and did as Jesus had instructed them. They brought the donkey and the colt and placed their cloaks on them for Jesus to sit on. A very large crowd spread their cloaks on the road while others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. The crowds that went ahead of him and those that followed shouted. All right, so let's see if you can shout. I mean, whatever you're willing to shout with me. So I'll read it. We'll do, there's three lines. There's the Hosanna one. Do you have them up yet? Okay, there's three, okay? So we're gonna, I'll, I'll read verse 9 again, and then you, with whatever gusto that you can muster up at 11 o'clock in the morning, to go for it, okay? So the crowds went ahead of him, and those that follow shouted, Hosanna to the Son of David! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord! Hosanna in the highest heaven! Well done, well done. There's some extra little spice coming from over the side of the... So this side wins. Uh, <laughs> so when Jesus entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred and asked, Who is this? The crowds answered, This is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth in Galilee. Okay, so this sets the stage for the parable, these actually multiple parables. We talked about one of them a couple weeks ago that he's about to, that he's about to tell. And there's a couple of important highlights. However, I'd like to... Um, highlight from this particular story that are relevant to what Jesus is about to say and the story he's about to tell. Okay, firstly, it was what Jesus was saying about himself. So if you're familiar with the story, if you've been reading along, even the Gospel of Matthew, part of our life is just reading the Gospel of Matthew to give us some good con context as we lead up to the resurrection. Um, but Jesus really, for whatever reason, it confused a lot of people. And you can see the reasons as you dig a little bit more. But he would tell people, and sternly, don't tell people I'm the Messiah. He said, do not tell anyone who I am. And one of the reasons is because it would, it would stir up more controversy than was needed at the time for Jesus to complete his mission. Everything that Jesus did was very intentional for doing the very thing that led him to this moment. So everything had been leading up to this time. However, this was the time where Jesus stopped that kind of messaging. And he was being very clear at this point who he was by this prophetic act, by sitting on the fowl of a donkey, or the fowl of a donkey. I don't know uh, how that all works, the fowl of a donkey or donkey, but he's sitting on the donkey, and he is messaging prophetically to the people, and it was a very clear message, that he was the Messianic king. He was indeed the one who was promised. He is the chosen one of God, and there is no lack of clarity on that. 
from what Jesus was saying in receiving the praise. And the people, of course, they saw this as well, but their perspective was completely different. They were thinking, and it perhaps is one of the reasons, if he had gathered this huge following, they may have gotten their, their clubs and swords and perhaps led a revolt, and it could have really interfered with what Jesus, that wasn't his primary mission. So he was staying focused on what his job was. So that's one thing. He was being very clear, very purposeful, that uh, this was not going to be a political deliverance, but it was something completely unexpected from what the people had intended. So he saw himself. Jesus saw himself as the king of the kingdom of God, filled with the, the power of the Spirit to accomplish the vision and mission that God had given him for that place and that time. And so Jesus was set on that, on that this week uh, on doing exactly what his father had told him. Okay, so that's number one. Jesus, it was clear what, Je- who Jesus thought of, what Jesus thought of himself, and in this moment he made it public by this, uh, by this act of marching into Jerusalem um, on a donkey. So, number two, it's interesting how people responded to Jesus. So you get a crowd who celebrates Jesus, and so when Jesus comes to town, you have a whole bunch of people, even though they don't understand, they celebrated for who he is. So they threw down their cloaks, they put the palm waved the palm branches, they shouted really loud, really emphatically, and in fact, throwing down their cloaks, uh, their cloak, a cloak was back then one of the most important articles of clothing, or actually things that you owned. People didn't own a lot of stuff. Like they didn't have garages full of stuff that are just collecting dust like many of us do today. No, they had, they had their cloaks and that was the most valuable thing they had. So they were taking the thing that was most valuable to them and laying that at the feet of Jesus to create this big demonstration of who, of who Jesus was. And really, as we had talked about last year, but is, is are we willing to take the things that are most valuable to us and lay them down so people can see Jesus more clearly for who he is? And that's always, I believe, a, uh, an important challenge that we're given as we read this scripture. Are we going to be those kind of people who lay those things down for him? So there's people who celebrate him. And then, of course, what we saw in the temple, there are people who get really angry. So the Pharisees, religious leaders, they were not happy. They were, in fact, planning on killing, arresting and killing Jesus all along. And so this had been a plot that had been developing behind the scenes. So there was the, them. We see the whole temple scene. And then the third group where people were just confused. They were like, who is this? So they were making a big deal. And then people in the city were like, who is this guy? Like, what is going on here? Because they were making a big deal. And so my hope on Sunday, on Easter Sunday, this Easter Sunday, and really not just Easter, but we celebrate the resurrection pretty much every day of our lives, but really a focal point, Easter is a big focal point, is that during this service is that we together can make a big deal about Jesus, that the true gratitude and celebration in our hearts would make such a big deal that those who are coming, and there will be people here who you know, don't, are confused about who Jesus is or don't really, or maybe apathetic or don't know, but the act of celebrating together will cause question. And you ever see someone who's like really passionate about something, it just gets you curious like to learn more about it. And as people come together and they gather together in our community, it's my hope, and I believe it is God's heart, hope that for us, that we together, that our love and passion for Jesus would, would be a living example for people who don't know who he is and would ask questions and start asking questions. In fact, uh, many people I know, and even including myself, uh, my heart had been stirred when I see the life, the people celebrating the life of Jesus in their own lives with passion. 
in a way that I'd never seen before. It, it can be really an impetus and a catalyst for, for spiritual growth and others. So that's really the hope. And really that's what membership we talked about is about. It's about making a big deal about Jesus together in a community. There's something, you know, when a crowd starts to gather, you ever on the in middle school, you know, you see the crowd gathering, fight, fight, fight. Crowds gather crowds. So there is something to crowds gathering to worship Jesus, but that's our, that's our focus is Jesus. And so really the question... Um, I think it's facing, you know, the, the people in Jerusalem at the time and today. I mean, certainly there are people who are sad and missing out, confused. So it's the sad, mad, glad syndrome. Maybe you've heard that in responding to Jesus. But, you know, how are we responding to Jesus? And so that's the question that kind of lingers. That's the essential question lingering behind the scene in the uh, Palm Sunday, um, in the Palm Sunday narrative. So as we get there, what Jesus is thinking is he knows, he knows exactly how people respond to him. Jesus knows that there's a mixed response. He knows that people are confused. And so in his mind, he, as he shapes these stories, he's being very intentional. And he understands that their response to Jesus would determine really their eternal destiny. And so it's a really big deal. What, the, what Jesus did and what he said was to help people respond to him in a way that would be for their ultimate eternal benefit. And so he does. He tells these stories. And today we're going to look at a story about a wedding, a wedding party. Okay, and you'll see some similarities to the one we, we looked at a couple weeks ago. So this one's about the wedding party. But let's take a look. We're going to be in Matthew. If you want to open your own Bible, you can. you got some Bibles on there. I'm going to read it to you um, just from, from the get-go, Matthew 22, starting at the beginning of the chapter. All right, so let's take a look, see what Jesus says here. So Jesus spoke to them again in parables, saying, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who prepared a wedding banquet for his son. He sent his servants to those who had been invited to the banquet to tell them to come, but they had refused to come. So just a little note here, uh, they had been invited, and so in fact, this is the second invitation. So this is a double invitation. Uh, back in the day, you would give a broad invitation and then you would say, because you didn't know how long it would take for the banquet to be prepared. There wasn't exact timing. So once everything was ready, they would send the second invitation and say, okay, everything's ready. Come now. Now's the time to come. Then he sent more servants and said, uh, tell those who have been invited that I have prepared my dinner. Okay, so the dinner's prepared. My oxen and fat, uh, fattened cattle have been butchered and everything is ready. Come to the wedding banquet. Okay, so there we go. But... They paid no attention and went off. One to his field, another to his business. The rest seized his servants, mistreated them, and killed them. The king was enraged. He sent his army and destroyed those murderers and burned their city. Then he said to his servants, The wedding banquet is ready, but those I invited did not deserve to come. So, Go into the street corners and invite to the banquet anyone you can find. So the servants went out into the streets and gathered all the people they could find, the bad as well as the good, and the wedding hall was filled with guests. Okay, let's stop there. Interesting story. I mean, Jesus is like such a good storyteller. Um, but he's basically, what Jesus is doing here. He's, he's explaining in a parable, in narrative form, how people respond to the invitation to celebrate life with him. 
So he, this, is a, this is an illustration that he's using in his local context, but is certainly applicable to us today, how people are responding to him. And refusing to go to someone's wedding or making an excuse. So just think, let's just talk about today's context. If, if you invite someone to your wedding, but they give you an excuse that they can't go, but it's not really a good excuse, like they're not on their deathbed or they'd rather do something else, but they're just like, ah, I, don't, I, got, business. I got business to take care of. Business is business, or I, you know, I need to go do something else. If someone responded to your wedding invitation, well, how would that make you feel? It's, it's almost like it's kind of the biggest event you can have in your life. So it's almost like a refusal of relationship. You know, I had, there was a member of my extended family who basically did this. They, they had no real excuse, but they just refused to come because of like some issues that were, were going on. And man, the relationship has not been the same. And that, that hurt. It really hurt, hurt me pretty deep. And I cared about this, this relative. Um, it's basically refusing, like, I, listen, I don't want to have anything to do with you. It's, it was pretty insulting and pretty hurtful. Now, it's even, the context here is even, the, kind of the stakes are even higher. So here, the first people invited, they, weren't, they, were, they were too busy. So they were like, hey, I'm going to my field. I got business to take care of. I don't really want anything to do. And in this context, it's the wedding for the son of the king. So this is a nationally, I mean, this is nationwide kind of event. I mean, this is huge. This is like, you know, the queen doing whatever the queen does, you know, and everyone from the country coming to this, this big grand gala. And feasting, feasting would go on for days in that culture. And so basically saying no to this uh, would be like, it's even worse than saying no from going to the White House. You know how people make political statements, the, 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 the president will invite someone and just say, I'm not going, I refuse, and it makes national news. It's actually that, but even worse, okay? So saying no would dishonor the king, and it's really a passive act of rebellion against the king. So it wasn't just a rejection. This was an insult to the king and his entire family. So this was really, they acted, and what they're, do, what they're essentially saying is we don't need a king. We don't need a king at all. I don't, I don't want to be subject to your authority. I don't really care about what you think. And these people believe, just like they did today, listen, I don't, I don't really need a king. I want to live my life the way I want to live. I want to do the things that I want to do, and no one's going to tell me what I'm going to do. I'm not going to submit myself to his leadership. There's other important priorities. There's other things that are more important to me in my life. So <laughs> the other day I was um, with my son. I was dropping him off in middle school, actually both of them. And we pulled up behind this truck. And the truck, I wrote down, okay, the truck had this big decal, you know, one of those stickers? It was in silver writing. And it was like extra big. It filled up the whole back window. And it said, my rules, dot, 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 my life. And I think that just about sums it up. And I was like, and we were like, you know, I'm 200 yards away from the entrance. And to no surprise, when they pulled up to drop them off, they pulled up in a spot that kind of backed up everyone else. Like, I'm going to stop right at the edge where you're supposed to pull up. I mean, okay, I'm, this is one of my pet peeves. Okay? I'm just, I'm just going to let it out. Let me let it out. And you're backing up the whole line when you're supposed to pull forward so like 10 cars can drop off their kids instead of just your kid. And of course, it's just my kid that matter. My rules, my life. I don't care how it affects the rest of the line or if the rest of the school is late today. But that's the way people live, isn't it? They, they believe, like, listen, I can make up my rules. I can live my own way. And basically, that was the statement that these people were making and the heart at which Jesus was getting uh, the way that people respond to him. So that's kind of the heart. However, 
it takes, Jesus takes it a step further. The story just gets really out of control when these servants were killed. So the servants who invited the people, they were mistreated, it says, and then they were killed. And the king's response in this context, the people would applaud. Like the, the king coming with his army, just burning the city. Um, it, would, it would have been appropriate in that time, certainly. And as we learned in the last parable, what Jesus is doing here is he bringing judgment against the Pharisees and the religious leaders first and foremost for the way that they had treated the prophets and, in fact, Jesus ultimately himself. The Son of God, the Messiah, is before them, before them, and, and this is the way that, that he's treated. And this would mean, Jesus. what is Jesus saying? There's judgment, there's destruction, and there's burning that's going to happen when you refuse to acknowledge who I am. And in fact, this happened in 70 AD. The Romans came and just demolished, utterly destroyed all of Jerusalem. And so there, it was prophetic in one sense of what was going to happen just however 30, 40 years later. But this is ultimately Jesus. What Jesus is doing is giving a picture of what happens when people refuse to acknowledge who Jesus is himself. And so it's a sobering picture, and it serves as a warning to us today. And so the refusal, this rebellion, this dishonor, it didn't stop. It's okay, So it didn't stop the king from filling up his house. So they went out, they, they made sure that it was full, um, and I love that fact. He said, just go, and he, they gathered the good and the bad. I mean, what a picture of, like, min- by, you get people are in ministry. This is, ministry life is, remember, we've talked about this before, it is messy. So it's a mix between good and bad. Jesus used other illustrations like the, the weeds and the good, the good crop. It's all mixed together, and this is what ministry life is. Our job, our job is simply to go out and extend with the grace of God the invitation. It's not our job to judge the good and the bad. It's not our job to say who can come in and who can come out. We just go out and extend and say, the, the banquet is ready. Come, come. You are invited to the banquet. Come as you are to the banquet. Come and feast at the table of the kingdom of God. And our job, again, is not God's job is the one to judge. And our job simply is to invite people to the party. And my friends, you know, Easter, one of those days, one of those big days, we get a chance just to invite people to the party. And whether it's, they're good or bad, or whether you think uh, it's worthwhile, the invitation, we simply scatter the seeds, we scatter the message so that the God's, God's house and God's kingdom can be full of people coming to him. And God will, in the end, he will sort things out the way it's meant to. And so this, uh, this Easter Sunday, what I did, so what we did is we prepared, we did a little preparation. So we got something new for you. So on the white tables and at the welcome table, we have these little black um, card holders, uh, and you, if you pull this down this lever, watch this. Whoop! It pops up, and then you can pull one out. So there's little eight packs. So you get a free eight pack today. And this is just as you invite, as you're out and about, you can extend the invitation. Not just Easter Sunday, but throughout the year, you can you can always get free refills. So free, free, uh, free packs for you. But grab one of these around the white tables and on the way out. But this is just a little tool to help you extend the invitation. Um, this, this one week someone had mentioned, hey, I wish I had something to give. Well, here's something to give, and I believe this is a great, this is a little creative idea. Um, actually, Jess had it. I think it's wonderful that we do this. But extend the invitation. Let the invitations go out. All right. We're almost over here, but guess what? The parable isn't over. Okay? This is where it might hit a little closer to home. You might not be rejecting Jesus, uh, but Jesus says something very interesting. You ever see this surprise ending here? All right, Matthew 22, get ready for it. Okay, but when the king came in to see the guests, so they're all the guests are 
you know, eating their little cheese and crackers, the little d'oeuvres, the little, um, I guess, beef hot dogs uh, wrapped in some, you know, pigs in a blanket, but not pigs, but little cows in blankets. Because, uh, you know, Jewish people wouldn't, wouldn't be eating the, the pigs. But anyway, they're, they're sipping their champagne, doing all that, and he's, he's walking around. The king came in, so verse, uh, verse 11, to see the guests. He noticed a man who was there not wearing wedding clothes. So he asked, how did you get in here without wedding clothes, friend? And the man was speechless. Okay, little theological note, kind of for the little theology nerds. That word friend he uses is the same word that um, he used when he spoke to Judas, when he just about betrayed him. So, interesting thing. The man was speechless. Verse 13. The king told the attendants, tie him hand and foot and throw him outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. For many are invited, but few are chosen. So you might be thinking, what? Whoa, 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 wait a second. That just took a whole turn. What is that supposed to be? All right, what is this about? Well, we'll shed a little biblical light on the, what's going on here. If you're confused, as you know, when I first read this, um, I remember reading this, I was like, what, what, what's happening? So, most commentators would believe, there's some that say there's not really a lot of historical evidence that the king would give the wedding clothes, but there's not a lot of um, evidence for that, but some commentators would say that. Um, but most would say the agreement is that the wedding clothes simply meant clothes that were clean, clothes that were intentionally cleaned up and prepared. I mean, you didn't have the dirt, you know, you didn't have the soil from working in the farm or with the animals. And the, you're, it just didn't come smelly. And you, you pre- actually prepared, you actually took time to prepare and clean your clothing. And so to, the refusal to wear clothing that was appropriate for a wedding, it was actually the same as dishonoring the king's authority as well. It's basically a total act of disregard and disrespect for the king himself. And you could say this could represent the people who are kind of in the church, the people who are among the people who have been invited and they're there, but something else is going on. So if you remember, a year or two ago, we we looked at Colossians 3. In Colossians 3, the Apostle Paul describes clothing. He actually uses this illustration, clothing to represent the kind of virtues that you put on in new life in Christ. And so the clothing that Jesus is referring to here is the life that Jesus gives to you. Um, And the old clothing, uh, Paul also talks about, is the old way. It's the old things that we we have that are really hidden things in your heart. And Jesus just made a couple chapters ago a huge deal about what's on the inside. And the clothing here is inward clothing. And so Paul says in Ephesians 3, you know, take off the old, old way of life. So he talks about sexual immorality, impurity, evil desires, greed, malice, rage, anger, all of those kind of things that, that, that pull us away from God's sin, the seven deadly sins and beyond. Those are the things that, that are the old way of life, that dishonor God, that dishonor the king. That's what sin is. It's that which stands against God and brings not only in your uh, brokenness in your relationship with God, but is harmful to, to one another. And he says... Put on the new way of life. Humility, gentleness, patience. Uh, He says, put on um, kindness, compassion, forgiveness, and love, which binds them all together. And so there is this interesting, it's really a summary. What Paul's saying in Colossians 3 is a summary 
And then in Matthew, again, he's being very intentional the way he's organized this gospel. He's referring back to the kind of life that Jesus talked about in the Sermon on the Mount. It's this, this new way of life. It's life in the kingdom of God. And so Jesus is very clearly here. He's saying there is an expectation for life in the kingdom of God. There is a kind of clothing that you wear. And if you insist on wearing the old clothes, but you say that you're in the kingdom of God, there is a discrepancy. There's actually a consequence to that. And the consequence is being tied up hand and foot and throwing out, out into the outer darkness. Now, what that means spiritually in the afterlife, I don't know, but it doesn't sound good to me. I wouldn't want to be that guy. And so here, we humbly must acknowledge there is something that Jesus says, that there is this message that the kind of clothing that Jesus expects us to wear once we've been part of the party that we're invited. Many, he said, uh, many are invited, but few are chosen. For many are invited, but few are chosen. And so, my friends, the church, our church, and the church, we are a community of hospitality. However, at the same time, God intends us to be a community of holiness. We are a holy community, and we are a hospitable community. It's not one or the other. It's another way to put that is holy approachability, that we are welcoming to everyone, but the message is, come as you are, but don't stay as you are. It's come as you are and be restored. Come as you are and be transformed in your inner life to become a person who is like Jesus. We pay attention to that inner life. It's, there's this call, the, really the call here that Jesus puts out is a call to what Jesus talked about in his main sermon theme was this, is repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And repentance is the transformation and change that we make in our minds and with our lives to live in the kingdom of God. And so many people, we think, many people want Jesus, uh, they, they want Jesus, they love Jesus, they want the kingdom of God, but a lot less people want Jesus to be their king. You can't have the kingdom without Jesus as your king. We must submit to his authority, to his kingdom, in order to continue walking in the kingdom life that he promises and he invites us all into. See, Jesus made a way and the way is by his grace. But the way in is the way we continued on. We continue on by his grace. And so the invitation here, if, if you've never, uh, if you don't understand this act of turning to Jesus, I want to give you the A, B, C, Ds. I'll add a little, it's easier to say A, B, Cs, but there's a D that helps clarify it, uh, of, of repentance. So here's what, A is simply acknowledge. Acknowledge that, hey, there's, there's gold clothes in my life. There's old things that are in my heart that need to be discarded that I've been wearing. And so B is simply to believe in Jesus as king. And as we move into uh, B is also stands for baptism. We, we're on uh, April 23rd, we're inviting people to get baptized. And what we do in that baptism is we say, I'm going to take off that old way of life. I'm going to submit myself to Jesus and, and his spirit and all that he has to die to myself and be born again. That resurrection life comes to life. Uh, in, in me, and, and I believe that Jesus is the king, and he can do that for me. He can make me new again. And to see is to confess that, to actually say that to someone, which then develops into a life of discipleship, which is the last part, a life that's lived out in, in the kingdom, and that's the invitation for every, every single one of us. So I'd encourage you, if you'd like to uh, participate, if you'd like to be baptized, you can do so. Just make a note, talk to me, send me a note at rich at conchockandvineyard.com, make a note on the connect card, 
um, I'd love to talk to you. We'll just have a class and then we'll share more a little bit about that life. But what I want to do now as we approach this holy week, it is an excellent opportunity to let God search our hearts and say, Lord, is there anything, is there any old clothing that I'm still holding on to for whatever reason that you were asking me to let go so I can put on the new that you want? So let's, let's take a moment. Let's pray and, and, and ask the Lord what he, he might want to do. We're just going to create some space, some silent space to do that, and then we'll move into a time of worship and prayer. So, Holy Spirit, we ask that you would, you would open the, the doors of our heart, the insides right now of each of us, and give us your vision to see what's inside. See if there's any clothing, old clothing in the closet that you, you just want to get rid of today. And you might just in your mind's eye now, as I'm seeing, I'm seeing Jesus do this, kind of this picture. It's kind of a beautiful picture. You kind of take that old piece of clothing and give it to Jesus. He'll take it for you, and he'll clean it for you. But you got to let go. So Jesus, I ask for the grace, that your grace would rest upon your people now, the grace to let go of the old clothing, the old way of life, whatever that thing is, so that you can take and you can clean and make us new again today. Maybe for the first time you say, Jesus, I need you. I turn to you. Give me new life. Breathe new life into me. And God, for the rest of us, I do pray that the, the core truth of who you are would fill us and, and would be an abundant life that would go out and extend, that we would be your messengers and extend invitations into the kingdom, into new life with you, without, with joy and without judgment, so that you would be honored in this day and this time. Amen.